Uh, we're going to look at this uh, text from Romans uh, together here today. And uh, I'm just going to dive right in, uh, starting at verse 13. So it started at verse 12, but we're going to start at verse 13. And it says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What is this? What, what are, first of all, the deeds of the body, and what is living according to the flesh? I think something really important to note right at the very top is to, is to note that this is not about the physical being bad, as though things that, are, that, that our actual flesh or the physical body is a bad thing and the spirit is, is a good thing. That's not what it's about. And if, if you don't quite believe me, if you go back into verse 11 of the same chapter, we get this uh, beautiful verse from the Apostle Paul who wrote Romans. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So in other words, what that is saying is that when you have Christ living within you, you also get life for your mortal body, for your actual physical body. So it's talking about the resurrection. It's not trying to say that uh, somehow our goal as human beings is to sort of get to death and then uh, won't that be great because our spirits can be released from this, from this body. No, no, no. In Jesus, and Jesus is the best example, when we look at Christ, he died and he was raised from the dead in the body, um, in the flesh. We even say that in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the resurrection of the body. Um, so God is, is redeeming bodies for sure, and there's definitely things we do in the flesh that are not necessarily good things. But the body itself is not a bad thing. We're created good by God. So that's important to note up front. Um, when Christ dwells in you through the Spirit, even your mortal bodies are redeemed. And this word dwell is, uh, uh, in Greek, it's oikos, and has, it has the same root that means home. Okay, so it's talking about Christ making his home in you, when Christ lives in you. So what then are... What then is Paul talking about in verse 13, talking about if you live according to the flesh, you'll die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What are these deeds of the body? What is living according to the flesh? And I would want to argue that this is really about worldly focus. That these deeds of the body or living according to the flesh is kind of about our immediate satisfaction or our, our desires for those things that are worldly or non-spiritual, non-eternal, not really having anything to do with God, and placing those things first, those being the focus. I think often this plays out for us in terms of placing ourself and, our, and what we want and how we want it something now, placing that before God. As you follow the teachings of Christ, we find out that as well, it can mean placing ourselves before others. And Jesus continually calls us to place God first, others before ourselves. 
And so I kind of think that these uh, living according to the flesh is really sort of focusing on myself and what I want, what I desire, and fulfilling those desires, and not really thinking at all about what God wants, and not really thinking at all about others. So I think this might be what Paul is, is trying to drive at here around living according to the flesh. It's this worldly living. In the previous verse, Paul starts off this section by saying, So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. And then he goes off and talks about the next bet. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors. We are debtors. We owe a debt, or we have an obligation, is another way to talk about this. Other translations do use that word obligation. A debtor is someone who owes. And what Paul is saying here is you have no obligation to the flesh. In other words, you don't have to live this way. You don't have to live satisfying your own desires. There's a better way. You're under no obligation to live according to the way the world tells you you're supposed to live. You don't have to live this way. Yet the world continues to convince us that there is a certain way to live. And the world even changes our language to reflect it. So we'll say things like, I really need a bigger TV. No, no, no. You may want one, and you may go buy one, but it's not because you need one. Or oh, we, we really need to get a second car for our family because, you know, don't want to take the bus. Or, well, I have a second car for our family, but there are ways around that. Or, whoa, we've got so much stuff, and there's another baby on the way. We really need to get a bigger house. Or, I really need that fifth piece of pizza. Now, those are kind of trivial things, but we do those with important things too, right? But how much of what we live for in our daily lives are not for our needs, but are for our wants? In other words, they are not obligations. We are not indebted to those things. We are not indebted to the flesh in any way. Uh, this is an incomplete or possibly a run-on sentence in Greek. Paul was great at writing, if you're ever reading, especially through Romans, Paul wrote a lot of run-on sentences. They just kind of keep going and going. We break them up in English so, and try to make some sense out of them. But this sort of, the thought is incomplete because he says we are debtors not to the flesh and then he goes on and talks about the flesh. But he doesn't say what we are debtors to. So he says we are debtors and not to this, not to the flesh. But the implication in his thought is that we are debtors to something. We are debtors to the spirit or to God. Now, we ought to know this. We pray in the Lord's Prayer. Um, and Presbyterians are known for praying this version of the Lord's Prayer. As you know, there's different versions. The one that we tend to pray here when we do pray the Lord's Prayer is, forgive us our debts. 
And that word kind of stands in for trespasses or sins, right? Our sin, which is linked to our living in the flesh rather than living in the spirit, our sin places us in debt to God. So when we do anything against God's will, great or small, we damage the relationship between us and God, and we owe God. And we owe God more than an apology. So just to illustrate this, let's take this out of the realm of the divine, out of the realm of what we know about God, and and kind of try to put this in human terms. Um, If I go uh, down into the second row and I punch Cleober in the face, Yeah, sorry. Oh, no, I'm not supposed to say sorry yet. Um, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Um, but what needs to happen for things to be even? Right, for things to be just? He's going to punch me back in the face, right? Um, so he's going to punch me back in the face. Now, is that vengeance or is that justice? That's a hard question, isn't it? Well, I think if I punch Claiborne in the face and he just automatically punches me back, I think that's vengeance. But what would be just is me to punch him in the face and then the community say, now I owe him the opportunity to punch me back. So I'm then forced to stand there while he punches me in the face. Vengeance would be just him getting me back. Justice would be us being held to an account, right? So. You might say that he owes me a punch, but in fact, I owe him the opportunity to punch me. Does that make sense? In terms of justice, I owe him. This works better with money, okay? When we think about money. If I steal $100 from uh, Heather, what needs to happen for things to be even? Well, it's not her stealing $100 from me, right? That's vengeance, right? For things to be even is I return the $100 because I owe her $100 and hopefully I apologize as well, right? So I owe a debt. I owe a debt to her of $100. This is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is justice. And what happens with God when we sin is these debts pile up so that each time we sin, and that relationship is broken, we've offended God in some way, we are indebted to God. And there has to be some payment. But here's the amazing thing, is that in Jesus, God himself pays off the debt. So Jesus on the cross pays off all of it for everyone for all time. It's wiped clean, and our responsibility is to receive this grace. So we are debtors to God, yet Jesus has paid off the debt. So we're no longer debtors to God. We have, it's totally gone. But Paul is writing after this has all happened. This is all, I'm just telling you things that if you're a follower of Jesus and have been for a while, this is stuff you already know. That we are debtors to God and Jesus has wiped the slate clean. 
But Paul says we are debtors. He's not talking about this debt. I think he's talking about something, kind of what happens after Jesus has paid off the debt. Think about what this grace in Christ does. See, we do not deserve the wiping away of all of our debts as human beings. We've done nothing to merit it. We've done nothing to earn it. Yet Jesus did it anyway. And in Jesus doing that, we end up being debtors to the Spirit of Christ for his grace toward us. In dying on the cross, he ended up obligating us to himself. We are debtors to him for what he's given us. We end up bound to Christ when we receive his grace. This is quite important, I think, that we are debtors. Uh, We pray, forgive us our debts. And that is asking Jesus to lift from us the cloud that hangs over us because we still continue to live our lives in the flesh. And when we ask for forgiveness of our debts, we are acknowledging what Christ did, in fact, do for us on the cross. We are claiming it. But when we claim it and when we receive Christ's grace, that places us in debt to the Spirit in a different sort of way. Think about this. The grace that Christ gives you is completely infinite, and so you are indebted to him for that grace and that mercy. But it operates differently than what we may expect. We are obligated to the Spirit and the life of the Spirit. And then Paul goes on to tell us how that obligation works. The second uh, part of verse 13 and into 14 says this, But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. See, once you accept Christ and accept that Jesus has canceled your debt to God because of sin, once you receive that grace, you are granted the Spirit. You do not need to live according to the flesh anymore. You have no obligation to the flesh. Instead, led by the Spirit, you put to death that way of life. And you live the true life. And then in verse 15, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. And here is where Paul gets into this obligation to the spirit and what that obligation looks like. Because he says the obligation to the spirit is not like slavery. This is not about fearing God. Paul is not saying that that you're obligated to the spirit, so you better follow God's laws and God's rules or else you will face punishment. He's not saying that. That was the old way, and that was dealt with in Christ on the cross, and you've received that by grace through faith. But you have received a spirit of adoption. And he goes on when we cry, Abba, Father. It is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. 
You are adopted as God's child. Your obligation to God is not one of slave to master. It's not one of rule maker, rule follower. Your obligation is a family obligation. Here is a debt that you do not want to ever pay off. And you don't want anyone else to try and pay it off for you. You want to forever be in this obligation. Think about this for a minute. Think about your own families. I owe my parents so much. I can never repay them for what they have done for me. Now, not everyone has great parents or had great parents, but I think we can all imagine what the perfect parent ought to be like. And that imagination, that's God. God is that perfect parent. He adopts us. He adopts each of us as his children when we receive his spirit. Can we ever pay him back for that? No. We are in debt to him. We owe God everything, our very existence, even our reconciliation to God, what Jesus did on the cross. We, we owe our very lives to God. but it's not in a fearful master-slave sort of way. It's in the parent-child sort of way. See, what we receive from the Father is actually far more than forgiveness of sins. Now, forgiveness of sins is huge, but God even goes beyond that. We receive far more. Paul writes, we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. See what happens when you live in the Spirit? The Spirit places us alongside Christ in our inheritance from God the Father. Today's Trinity Sunday, right? And I'm not here to try to explain to you the mystery of the Trinity, certainly not at the end of a sermon. But the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this uh, communion or community of love. Listen to what Paul says here. In that community of love between Father, Son, and Spirit, where, do, where are we? Alongside Jesus as joint heirs with him. We've just been welcomed into the Trinity. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. Come on in, says the Father, by the Holy Spirit. You come alongside Jesus, and you inherit the kingdom as he inherits it. Unbelievable. See, I don't want to get out of my family obligations. Sometimes I don't always feel like going to the family parties um, and being with the, the big group of people. But I don't really want to be out of that. 
I, I don't want to give up my family obligations. I, I want to be in there. And I want to know that that family loves me and cares about me. This is an obligation. This is a, a debt that we do not want to pay off. We do not want to get out of the obligation that we have to God. Because we want to be in God's family. We want to be in that circle of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit alongside Jesus, our brother. Do we really want to live according to the flesh? Because you know where that ends up. We end up enslaved to the things of this world. And in Paul's language, we end up dead. Now we're all going to die physically. Paul is saying you end up spiritually dead. No new life for you. We really want to live that way? And when we do live that way, we really do end up enslaved. It's as though we have fallen back into this spirit of fear that holds us captive somehow to these things that we think we have to do, even though we've been set free in Christ. So instead, let's be free from fear as as, uh, as though we are debtors to the flesh. We're not. Let us instead be debtors to the Spirit as sons and daughters of God. Let's let the Spirit give us every spiritual blessing in Christ. Let's allow ourselves to be bound to Christ. Let's accept our inheritance as sons and daughters of God the Father alongside Jesus in the power and the love and the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is what God has for us.